There are three readings this morning, Romans 8, Genesis 3, and Matthew 24. So starting with Romans 8, verses 18 to 22, on page 862, if you want to follow. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And then Genesis 3, verses 17 to 19, on page 5. And to the man he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will catch you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made, for you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. And the third reading, Matthew 24, verses 1 to 8, page 745. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. This St Andrew's is God's word. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, as we come to your word now, we ask that you would open it to our hearts, that as we continue with this series on Romans, that uh, this theme of creation groaning, Lord, that you would bring pertinent parts by your spirit to our heart this morning, that your kingdom will grow Spiritual fruit will happen because your word is proclaimed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This morning in our ongoing series on Romans, and welcome to anyone joining on podcast, we're looking at creation groaning and birth pains for the Lord's return. We will see that, uh, that creation is suffering, it's groaning, it's birth pains, points to Jesus returning, where what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. So the Bible is a meta-narrative, or another way of saying it's a big story that claims I think truthfully, to make sense of reality of our past, our present, and our future. It invites you to ask the question, is it true? Is the Bible's claim about reality accurate? But even if you reject the biblical meta-narrative, whatever your view, it's worth knowing that Christians aren't the only people to have a big story to make sense of the world. Most religions do, and even... I suspect most atheists who prescribe to a naturalist worldview have a meta-narrative. For example, they would believe that the entire universe was created from nothing, that there was nothing there before the Big Bang, and it was created by nothing, no intelligent designer, and that our ultimate future is that our sun will eventually change to make life unhabitable on this planet, and beyond that is the eventual what they term heat death of the universe. All the stars will do the same. And that as highly evolved primates, we have no particular purpose now, no objective meaning or purpose for our lives. Now, they don't probably talk about it just like a meta-narrative, but deep in their hearts, the different parts of the story, if you, if you listen carefully, it all comes out. And, they, and they, so they put it something along those lines. So they have a big story as well, which you're invited to believe. It has a past, it has a present, and it has a future. H.G. Wells, time traveller, a uh, great little narrative. You've, if you read, who's read the H.G. Wells ancient classic time traveller? He goes into the future where there's no life on planet Earth. You know, so that's the that's the wonderful future meta narrative, great hopeful future of the naturalists uh, out there, inviting for you to uh, imbibe and believe. So for Christians, we have a meta narrative, and it's based off the Bible. It's a big story that tells of our past, present, and future, and we're invited by God to not only believe this meta-narrative, but to join it. And this morning's text in Romans specifically alludes to this big story. So it looks at creation past. This is verse 20, created perfect but cursed by sin. It looks at creation present, now increasing birth pains. That's verse 22. And then it looks at creation future, glory and perfection that will make the current suffering seem like nothing. And that's verse 21. So so Paul in these three things has just grabbed the entire Bible's meta-narrative and just chucked it into a couple of verses and then expects a poor preacher like me to be able to preach on it effectively in a 15-minute period. That's just like Mission Impossible. But that's what Paul does. Uh, And so I'm going to follow what he's just doing and go over this this morning. So first is creation past against its will. Interesting. An interesting phrase there. All creation was subjected to God's curse. And then below that, of course, is the Genesis passage, which was read out. So God created the world and the universe in all its awesomeness, its beauty and its wonder. We can see it. We can appreciate that. 
I'm, who's a fan of the Weber telescope photos, the new, the new um, Weber photo, or the Hubble ones, the Hubble, Hubble photos of the galaxies, the deep field ones. I love the deep field ones. I just cannot get enough deep field photos of all the galaxies out there. And I, and I just love the, how they went out, the Hubble, which is, I understand it, it, it's in layman's terms, like a grain of sand held at arm's length. They went out there into this non-entity non area of space and just had the deep field Hubble uh, look at a space that's about the size of a grain of a sand from, from um, an arm's length. And it revealed just countless galaxies. And then they got the new telescope, which is even more cooler and more awesome, they got to go to cover the same area and suddenly there was just countless more galaxies in that same grain of sand. The Hubble was like meh compared to the new one and I thought the Hubble was awesome. So you get to see this incredible creation and you know, I just, I'm weird, I just stare at these photos of all these galaxies just for ages and thinking that, that galaxy is bigger than probably the, the Milky Way. And so it's, it's incredible. This is our universe that we believe has been created by God. Yet the biblical narrative says, and Romans passage says, that it has been subjected to God's curse because of sin. So we were tasked with caring for God's creation, for honoring his commands. But the first humans, Adam and Eve, and every subsequent human, including me, has failed to do that. As a result, creation was dramatically and tragically impacted. Now, you don't have to be an eco-warrior to believe that humans can have a negative impact on creation. The Genesis account was God's choice as a result of human action impacted creation. That's what we believe. God's ultimately in charge, but there are negative consequences for sin. So it's difficult for us to imagine how the world was marred by sin, cursed, to use that, uh, the word that's the very powerful word. Uh, but we now have all sorts of things that are wrong in God's creation. Now, much of this damage is human-made. I, I just think of the Christchurch earthquake. The Christchurch earthquake would have killed very few people and damaged very few homes if we'd built our homes on the right areas, not the liquefaction areas, and if the building codes had been up to snuff, if you just think on that. But nevertheless, even if there isn't these bad human decisions, there are still hurricanes and storms. This has been our experience since the fall. It's a sense of paradise lost, creation groaning. Or the words of Romans, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. This is our lived reality. And then it's creation uh, now, increasing birth pains. For we all know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So what Paul's getting at is he's actually going all the way back to Jesus' words about the words. I'm going to read just uh, paraphrasing just a few of these words in Matthew 24. What sign will signal your return in the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you'll hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go against war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So Paul uses the term birth pains, referring to Jesus' words about the present time up to his return. For we know all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up 
to now. So Jesus gives this picture in Matthew 24 of earthquakes, wars, being like the birth pains. It's, crea- it's not just the human actions, it's actually uh, the, the, the creation itself is in birth pains. So there's pandemics, earthquakes, famines. Yes, a lot of the stuff is human caused and environmental damage caused by human greed and evil, but creation itself is groaning. This lived reality should prepare the hearts of Christians who know their Bible. Do you know their Bible? We should be actually prepared to see this century more birth pains. You should not be shocked by disasters and difficulties and so forth. In fact, Jesus, the way that he hints and Paul hints of birth pains seems to potentially indicate increasing frequency and intensity. Make of it what you will. So, you know, you guys could think of all, I guess you could think of earthquakes, and I know that we're all very eagerly waiting for the AF8, Alpine Fault 8 quake. Who's excited about that? Not, not me. But let me just name two lesser-known creation groanings events uh, that just... Uh, uh, is just you know interesting and slightly unique, and I'm just giving them. I'm not giving it to try and give a plot for a Hollywood movie, but uh, it's just out there. The um, um, I may be mispronouncing it. The Tungsta event of 1908, which happened to be believed to be a meteorite hitting rural Siberia, and there's these photos of 2,000 kilometres of Siberian forests flattened. Uh, so you just imagine if that happened over a city area today, uh, an incredible amount of damage was done. And there's, that was a small meteorite compared to some of the other ones. But there's one that's, they've got photos of it. It's, 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 it's um, not too far from lived memory. The other is the Carrington event. In 1859 was this mega solar flare from the sun, the biggest recorded in history, which fried all the telegraphs in the world. Uh, actually, the telegraphs, they, when they unplugged them, they were still working because of the power of it. And the whole night sky was just lit up. Because we didn't have any electrical grid or satellite systems, it made the news in the day. It was very interesting, but that was about it. They said today that if it, if it happened today, it would fry all the electrical systems on the, on the planet and destroy the satellite network. That would be rather inconvenient for Roger, I suspect, uh, who, who's uh, involved in working at Alpine, not having an electrical grid or having a fried grid. Of course, there are preparations for this stuff. But it's just letting you know, we don't know what the future holds. But we live now in a groaning creation. If you believe the biblical meta-narrative, right? It's It's an invitation. I do. There's an invitation for you to believe it as well. This is our lived reality. And that we are living in a groaning creation. There are wars, rumors of wars, all sorts of difficulties coming. And it's pointing towards the return of Christ. Of course, I have absolutely no idea when Jesus will return, but this is our current lived reality. And then lastly is creation future, which is glory. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal to who his children really are. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So it's this beautiful image of creation is waiting for the day of Christ's return when humanity will be freed from sin and pain and creation itself will be restored. Paul's saying that creation is e- 
eagerly awaiting that future glorious day where God's children will become all that they were meant to be. And this is, anyone remember the old J.B. Phillips New Testament? Well, I just, just love, this is an old, old, the whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own. That's Romans 8, uh, chapter, verse 19, uh, just the J.B. Phillips version of it. The whole creation is this groaning birth pains, they're waiting for the baby to arrive, they're waiting for Jesus to return and for our suffering to end. So this is a, God's vision is much larger than humanity, expands to all of his creation. Though unlike in the naturalist meta-narrative, we're, an, we're, we're just an evolutionary freak. In the biblical narrative, we're the pinnacle and center of God's plan. And creation is on tiptoes awaiting Jesus' return. You get to see that. right? We're just right at the center. It's on tiptoes for us to be. The whole of creation built for the glory of God, but we're at the center of the, and the pinnacle of it. This is the biblical meta-narrative that you're invited, the big story that you're invited to believe and not just believe, but join in and, and participate in. And so then there's this picture that actually the suffering we're going through right now or perhaps will go through this century, is nothing in comparison to the glory we will experience. So, you know, who's had something where you're going through a really difficult time in your life, but you're looking forward to uh, 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 something in the thing. And so you get through the suffering because you're looking forward to, 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 to that good reward. Has anyone had that sort of moment? I used to remember I was school. I was just being horrendously bullied. Life sucked. I was not doing well at school. What was I looking forward to? The weekend. There was Friday. Oh, only when Friday comes, I'll have two days of relief from torture from my bullies who are tormenting me. All the, the endless school holidays. Back when I was young, six weeks seemed like a whole lifetime of school, of a lifetime. I couldn't even think what seven weeks would be away. Looking forward to those summer holidays. Or when I was doing the half marathon a few years ago, I'm, I'm not, wasn't that fit, but the, the end result was that finish line and the, and the drink and some food and a, and a certificate saying that I had completed a certificate of participation. I mean, that's what we all run for, isn't it? Participation awards, that I had participated in a half marathon. So this, the suffering, right, you do it for the future reward, right? And so the picture here is that the suffering we go through here on earth as Christians in comparison to the future glory is, is, is nothing. The best example I can give you, it would be like if the Lord gave you the numbers for Powerball. All right, so you've got the winning numbers for Powerball. And an angel appears and said, right, I'm going to give you the numbers for Powerball. You can spend it whatever you want. But there's a catch. You have to go through the inconvenience of walking down to the super value and spending money to buy that ticket. I mean, that's such a cost, such a hassle to walk and to suffer and to spend that hard-earned money on that ticket, right? But most people would say, in comparison of spending that money for the reward of the Powerball, it's nothing. And that is the sort of image that Paul has got here. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal in us later. And I'm, I'm not advertising or supporting uh, spending money on that, but just letting it go. It's an illustration. And so our life is a mixture of deep sorrows and frustrations. At times, it's futility where we discover there's no formula for success, where we experience in this life deep sorrows in our family, in our work life. 
But for Christians, we also catch these glimpses of God's glory, God's power, his miracles. We see him in action. It's a mixture of groaning and glory, actually, our life here as Christians on this planet. We see God's power. We have moments where his word comes alive. We have moments where it seems to be like dead. We have times in our life with the Lord where we feel God's power at work. And we feel that, oh my God, you're using me, God. It's this amazing feeling. And then we have other times where it's absolute groaning. It's just like, Lord, this is, I'm just, can you not just come back today? I had different times in my life where life is just so bad. I was like, you know, I I remember being disciplined for something. And I was like, oh, Jesus, may you come back today before I have to turn up to this meeting. It'd be really good today. Today's great. It would be a great day. He didn't come, needless to say. But anyway, so it's a mixture of groaning and glory. But the suffering we go through is nothing in comparison to the glory that is revealed later. So in this passage, we see that in terms of creation, God's, that, that creation has been impacted by the sin and the fall. We see that the creation right now is an increasing birth pains. This is the big story. And then we see the future glory. And in this picture, Paul, in just a couple of verses, and he says that what we're going through now in the human life is a nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed later. The whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons and daughters of God coming into their own. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we do pray that, Lord, that as we make this sojourn through life, that we would have both realistic understanding of what we experience here on earth now with all of its difficulties, and that our eyes would be steadfastly fixed into the future. Uh, the future glory, and that right now that we would be here on this earth serving your purposes, including, given we're talking about creation, the stewarding and care of this creation which you've charged humanity with. Lord, we pray that we would serve your purposes here in this life and inherit the future glory to come. Amen.